It's the Saints and the Aids. It's the Saints and the Aids. It's the Saints and the Aids. I made it for my mom. I'm so grateful that you got to clean that. I just looked at your neck and was like, his neck is so clean. What? Because I know you see some necks that look. When you say clean, do you mean like dirt or? Like, you know when necks like. Or hairy necks. Like the Anthony Hamilton neck. What is that? You know, he got like he got like um like patches of hair no, everywhere. It just looked like you took a bath. Oh and yeah. you wa- and you didn't miss the neck. Oh, gotcha. Like you 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 included that in the process. Right. So that's when you look at me, that's what you appreciate. I just looked at your neck. It was like, man, that's a clean neck. Wow. That's well, important. You know how many people I done met and the necks ain't right? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I never pay attention to people's necks. You should start. You'll, you'll learn a lot about a person by looking at their necks. Okay. You know. I like your makeup. I, you know, uh, you announced that you you doing a little eyelashes thing now. I don't have eyelashes on. I'm saying, this but is you, my you, mascara. you wore on for your, one of your glory events. I did. What is this? And it was like, because I feel like the eyelashes, they look like hands. Okay. You actually Praising did, the Lord you every did, time you blink. You didn't even acknowledge them when you saw them. So I, I don't think it actually mattered to you. I didn't see them in person to my defense. I saw them online like everybody else. Because mm. I was in one city and you was at Glory. Mm. And, I, and, I, and you posted it, but like from a far away shot, you didn't even do a close-up. So I'm like... So did you like them or no? I like them. You know, I, I, you I think care. your eyes are beautiful with or without them. Okay. But if I, I, felt like, I felt like if I would have saw them in person, yeah. I felt like I would have had more of appreciation for them maybe. Yeah. You know? Okay. The little... Anyway. They were very natural. You know? A little irritating. Mildly. But, you know? Because I just... I, I was I was terrified of the eyelash. I, I think... I think the experiences that I have with people who are my friends and seeing that they look like a different person when they remove the eyelashes. Yeah, I don't got, I don't want to create that type of, you know, thing. And you got a couple of friends when they used to come over, they just always would just leave them hanging around. No, nah, it, it, it looks like little roaches. I'm like, why is an uh, eyelash stuck little, to my couch little, pillow? Little spiders. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Anyways, what are we doing today? So I don't even know what you would call this, but we used to do poetry. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Mm-hmm. Is this was so much our world at one point? So let me let me reintroduce because I said we used to do poetry and then you transitioned real quick. Okay, yeah, I just I don't. Okay, go. I'm sorry. Surprise! <laughs> we used to do poetry, uh, and we used to you know do the metaphors and the puns and the double entendres and all the things. And that, to Preston's point, was our world. Our whole ministry life was writing poems, doing poems, performing poems, flying out to communicate poems, 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 poems. writing poems, touring. Doing, doing poetry. It's you know crazy. how I started doing poetry? How? I know, but they don't know. So yeah, they how? don't. So I was a new Christian. I had probably been a Christian for maybe three months. I was going to this community college called uh, Forest Park Community College. If you live in St. Louis, you already know. And I was in this English class that was just viscerally boring. And I was like, man, I really want to write something deep. I had this compulsion to be deep. I just, I didn't understand. But so I was like, I feel like deep people write poems. (laughs) That was, that was because I thought about Erica Badu and like, you know, I didn't know she was a witch yet, but I was just thinking about people like that and how deep people do that type of stuff. And so like, I was like, man, let me write a poem. And I wrote the poem and I put it on Facebook because this was when Facebook notes was a thing. Do you right. remember that? I know. That was where we all ministered that's to what, And that's why you, you used to rebuke people when you was a young Christian. Mm-hmm. You stayed rebuking people. Mm-hmm. So I put the poem up. <laughs> I got the affirmation that I needed. And then my pastor found out that I had wrote a poem. And he was like, Jackie, can you do a poem for Easter Sunday? And I, I don't think he sounded that way. But I was like, oh, sure, I'll write about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even though I know nothing about it. And so I wrote a resurrection <laughs> poem. And then, like, my church, was, I was one of them churches that, like, it don't matter how bad you are, they going to make you feel like you are, like, the prophet of prophetesses. And so that's how I got started. That's crazy. Yeah. What about you? Uh, So, I mean, how I got started doing Christian poetry is completely different than how I started writing poetry. I started writing poetry when I was a young little sinner. I used to Vaseline on my uh, feet. Yeah, I, I'll do that later. Uh, uh, now would be ideal. You want me to put Vaseline on your feet right now? We can wait. 
You can tell your story and then we can do it. Are you really going to make me put Vaseline on your feet in the middle of a podcast? Go ahead. I don't know what a Vaseline is. You t- I'll find it. You tell. You, okay, you, you can find it and yeah. I'll put it on. But I was in sixth grade and I kept getting into fights. And so my school, they uh, assigned all the bad kids a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, my mentee, her name was Miss Magnus. I've been trying to find her for years. Maybe that should be should another pray. podcast about finding Miss Magnus. We should pray about because it. Because I kept getting into fights. They uh, assigned me Miss Magnus to be my mentor. And she was like, why are you so angry? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't know that I was angry because my uncle, my uncle Stan who raised me, got murdered. And I seen my friend get killed and all that stuff like that. Real hard life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and she began to mentor me and she was like, I want you to write you know, your feelings. And she was just like, try to write a poem. And so I tried to write a poem about what I felt. And she started crying at the desk. And I'm like, why is this lady crying? She's like, you write so beautifully. You're a poet. And that was the first time anybody ever like affirmed me Mm -hmm. in a way. But it was also her kind of like identifying a gift in me that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And so she started buying me poetry books. And so I started writing poetry um, in a sixth grade. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to do today is a bit different than I think our typical podcast structure, which is that we're going to watch uh, a couple of our old poems and comment about it. I don't even know what what this would be called. Commentary? Um, Yes. uh, uh, Throwback poetry review. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Just and so we're going to start with the poem that actually began my public ministry. Context, context. So I had got connected to this ministry in LA and the pastor reached out to me and said, hey, can you give us an ex-stud poem? Because people, people love commissioning artists to do things. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't really want to be the token ex-gay girl. I'll pass. <laughs> and so I prayed and the Lord was like, you're going to write it. And so <laughs> I wrote it and it was a bit direct and all the things, but it was this poem that started my my ministry. And so. also a little context. This is the poem that introduced Jackie, I guess, to the world, you, as you can say. But it was also the first time I ever saw her. So I was in the audience in yeah, the second met. row watching her do it. So the first time I saw you was actually you doing this poem. How sweet. Which was crazy. And yeah, let me stop giving precursors. And you had a slick perm. Look it's at this. It's the bangs for me. Wow. As my heart began to flip all, more convictions beginning to rip. I grabbed the hips and kissed the bottom lips because I always wanted to try. Mm, you, the, you was transparent from the beginning. It's the cadence. Many years, the enemy infiltrated my thoughts with homosexual merchandise. And that day I decided to buy it, but he tricked me. He tricked you. Mm. He had me thinking I could just try one time It'd to see what it was like and I could move on, but it didn't work like that. Mm. One year into me, him, hers relationship, my gender did a flip like that. Oh my gosh. Sports, brawls over breast wife, beer over chest white, tea over rest. Now the organs that qualify me as a woman lay flat as my back was turned to the king. I'm wearing boxes as if I got something dangling in between, but nope, I'm still a queen. It seems that I the exterior is often shaped by the inward with the skill of our self-esteem and minds was low. First of all, completely out of breath. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <laughs> but it actually, it, it actually helped. And minds was low. This is the thing. I came, I came to LA and I had a ponytail, but I had just got my ends clipped. And the pastor, I was like, yeah, I'm going to just slick down the ponytail to get up there. He was like, yeah, how about no? Uh, I'm going to connect you to somebody named Niasha. She's going to flat iron your hair. Oh <laughs> so Niasha... Flat out my hair and it was really cute. Yeah, you was fine. I guess. And then I got the uh, outfit from Heritage Twenty One. I don't know if you remember that story. It looked like Heritage um, Press Play. It was nice. <laughs> Man, what a time! I didn't know where to go with these perverted thoughts of mine. I remember they started with some genitals was stuffed into my mouth at the age of five. I'm growing up, I'm crushing on girls when I know it's natural to like guys. My heart steadily being hard. No God when an eye for eye just dies. Daddy kept saying hi, then by then high. Now I can't, no, I can't, no, I can't trust guys in my D A D D Y just up, up and died on me. me. <laughs> up and died on me. <laughs> So a lot of like a lot of our poetry. That's what I'm saying. A <laughs> lot of our poetry back in the day was us sounding like slaves. <laughs> up and died on me. 
Oh, I got one foot now, Massa. <laughs> I don't even know where I got that from. I don't know. But you know what it is? The, we could get to the theology in a second. I think, <laughs> I think new poets or oh. spoken word artists, I think they try to sound dramatic instead of being. Mm. Right. What do you it's, mean? Break that so down. So you you want to you want there to be some depth or some weight or some gravitas to the what you're trying to communicate, and so you do it in your voice rather than just being it. Mm. Right. And so I think when if I was to if I was to do this poem now, I wouldn't even put all the drama on it. I think just having a sense of I don't know, like yeah, I get, I get exactly what you're saying. It's it's one me getting inside of the scene, like my dad just walked out on me. I I think there's a sense in which me actually living inside of that moment and then communicating it from a real place has the same amount of drama and weight rather than, and he walked out on me. Like, you just don't have to do that. that. Because that's what I, that's the, that's one of the first things I learned when, uh, after becoming a poet and then changing that. And one of the things that I say in poetry workshops, when I used to do poetry workshops a lot, is forced art will always sound like forced art. Yeah. And so, and so, like, I think that as we grew, you know, because these, these were, this night was our first kind of like public poems. But yeah. as we grew, we just kind of learned how to naturally. third poem I ever wrote in my life. Yeah, we just learned how to naturally, you know, communicate. And, and speak from a real place when we wrote the poem and so what do you think about the content so far this is a bit spicy no it right? is I, it is I started by saying like you know his genitals were stuffed into my mouth at the age of five that's a lot uh, I remember the strapped on that I strapped on I didn't get there yet oh you didn't get that part uh-uh. yet I know this whole poem by heart by, by the way I know I'm a fan the chin thing. I'm a fan. Bothers me so <laughs> bad. Um, but no, nah, it's it's really in your face, and I think, I think at this time, you know, especially for the people who who were following us back then, I, I don't think the world, and especially the Christian community, experienced rawness in that way. You yeah. Know? Um, which was, which was I, like groundbreaking for a lot of people. When I wrote it, I was thinking about who I was what I would have wanted to hear. And I was thinking, because again, I'm not, at this point, I'm 20, maybe. Yeah. I became a believer at 19. So this is maybe six or seven months of me being out of the world. I was fresh about the world, right? Which means there are still relationships I kind of have. There are still feelings mm-hmm. I still have. Like, like all of that is still in, on my radar, right? And so I'm even thinking about the people that I used to go to gay clubs with who gonna see this. Yeah. Because we still friends on Facebook. Yeah. We st- you, still got, I, you still got my number in your phone. And so in my mind, I'm like, what would they want to hear? What you- they don't want to hear is some, some kind of a sanitized version of our, our reality. Yeah. You know what's crazy though? The reason why I feel like this poem was so powerful, and we'll we'll, we'll continue to watch it. Um, this is probably going to sound like an after the, after what we watch the whole poem comment, but I think I feel like this poem was so powerful because it was a it was a great testimony, and I think what great testimonies does it 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 encourages the people that are, that are in the body, right, and and gives them like more faith. But it also is a, it's very much evangelistic, hmm. like it is it is like you were able to minister to so many people who were in the homosexual lifestyle mm-hmm. and like they saw hope through you yeah. you know and a, and a, and a re- not a fluffy testimony but a real raw in your face testimony I will say this though I think this the content and the approach of the poem is very indicative of where I was in life, but also the arenas that God had me go in, right? And mm. so beginning the poem by, uh, I remember when I used to kiss her lips, da 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 I think now I wouldn't be as explicit um, in my communication of my story or even truth. Yeah. Uh, because but I, do you don't think God used it? I, I do think, because I think he used it, like he used me where I was, I think now I feel more responsible as a leader for the way I communicate ideas. Wow. Right? wow. And so I wouldn't be as casual or as, cr- I think, crass, dare I say, in how I talk about my story. Just because we even see that on social media where people, there's a kind of liberalness to even how we communicate authentically. I don't, I don't, think, you ha- I, I don't think you have to be loose to be authentic. Because I, I got to admit, I was in the second row. And when you said 
I remember the first time I kissed her lips. I said, that's, a, you know, that's how you start a poem. No, that was a great line. You know, and then when you said, uh, uh, I grabbed the hips to kiss the bottom lips because I always wanted to try it. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, okay. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Wow. I wouldn't do that. Now. Okay. Ima- imagine, imagine me doing that with our kids in the audience. Oh, my gosh. Mommy, what's their <laughs> bottom lips? Huh? Do people have lips on their bottom? <laughs> Skipper was the last time I stepped foot into a church. Mm-hmm. I refused to deal with the eyes looking down on this deep-voiced masculine girl, yet couldn't see past my face to pray, past the pants falling past my waist, past the fitted caps and the braids, past the past hurt to my heart, that pattern is extant standing before you today. All I wanted was a hug. Mm. That's it. Emotional. Hug me. Was someone to tell me of God's love and the delivering power of his blood shed for the lost. I had to realize how 1 Peter 2.24 lets me know how he became me on that cross, a stud, so that I would be able to die to this sin and live for righteousness. Yet then again, this flesh of man was enjoying itself. Even though the laws of truth were written on my heart, I still chose to choose. The girl was in her word. I still chose to choose to deny him. And if I didn't repent of my sin and trust in him and this heart inside my chest stopped beating, 20 billion years would have went by and I still would have been frying. Yikes. I remember the first time I bought my first cyber skin strap on. Girl. I paid a Real. What? Even though I couldn't feel that thrill, it was a mental thing. I became a, a touch me not. Because I knew that if the big clothes I was hiding behind came off, and she touched touch that spot. My masculine voice would drop, and the femininity naturally placed inside of me would be easy to spot. So I had to keep it covered. Okay. Whoa. Wait. Wait. I, I be forgetting. Cyber skin strap on. Because it was made to feel real, it even though I couldn't feel, feel that real. thrill. I, I became a touch me not because I knew it. What? That's First a lot. of all, I want to just say. <laughs> Your cadence was amazing. That was good. But the femininity. I, the femininity. I, I was like, okay. That's. I was acting like I was on uh, Bone Thugs. <laughs> uh, that was on. That was intentional because I wanted to, like, basically signal to anybody who was a stud that I, I was actually about that life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, so to say the strap on, to say the type, to say touch me not, which was language for those are the kind of studs that don't receive any uh, pleasure from their partner. Mm. Um, You know what I'm saying? Because my argument was like, if I'm trying to keep up this kind of masculine facade, then if you pleasure me, that's going to come down. Like, I'm not finna groan like a gorilla. Wow. Because I'm I'm not, right? And so I have to, I have to continue to keep up this like boy thing. Um, Wow. Can you speak to that though? Because like, like, I can imagine for people who are, who are still in a lifestyle when they heard this, how they how they felt, mm-hmm. right? And so, like one, my question for you is, what you were? How were you? 20? Twenty. At twenty years old, what gave you the the courage and the boldness to be as blunt as you are? Because I feel like a lot of it is your personality, but I, 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 but was it merely because you just had a heart for this community and you wanted to reach them? Really, like what was it? When God saved me, He saved me for real. Mm. And, and when He saved me, He gave me a burden for the lost, uh, no matter who it was, but particularly the lost that were just as lost as I was. Like I. He snatched me out. You know what I'm saying? And so to me, it was like, who, like, why wouldn't I try to go back and try to take some of y'all with me? You know what I'm mm. saying? And so the, the courage came out of love. That's the, good. The courage came out of a conviction that who the sun sets free is free, free indeed. indeed. That's good. It, it was, it was, it was that energy that I was, I was giving off. And but again, I didn't even want to write it. The, the pastor told me to write it and then God, no, the pastor asked me to write it and then to, God told me to. So now it's something that I've been commanded to do. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> which is crazy. I'm not, the, not the, I'm not trying to plug my book, but I, I, I wrote about this in my but book. You are. Uh, I'm not, I'm not What's even, the name of it? I'm not, it's, I'm not even going to tell you the name. name? I'm, okay, if you, if you, if you want to beg me, well. it's called How to Tell the Truth. Okay. Um, but I talk about boldness in the book because I think a lot of times people be trying to muster up boldness. Boldness is really rooted in love. Mm. If you love people, yeah, you, you will think about them more than you think about your comfort. Your comfort. Yeah, you know, and so I think this is just a great testament of that. It's true. So. Yeah.
There was no need for a latex rubber cause underneath these jeans ain't no sperm or testicles, just eggs and ovaries. I remember when I was done using that strap on that I strapped on and it was time for me to use the restroom. I still had to sit down to pee. What a reality check. I never knew it would get this deep, but when I opened up that door, I completely fell in the scales covering my eyes just got thicker. The darkness made no room for the light. I actually started to consider hell in exchange for her being my wifey. Then one day the Lord spoke to me. He said she will be the death of you. Okay, you Facts. gotta pause. Facts. I don't wanna lay down no more. Your arms are longer to me. I remember when I was done using the restroom, I still had to sit no, down to pee. I was done pee. using that strap on that, that I strapped on. on. It was time for me to use the restroom. restroom. I still I had, had to sit down, down to pee. pee. What, what a reality, reality check. check. Wow. That is a reality check. <sighs> because you got to understand, when you have an intercourse with a strap on, right, you got to put it on. Oof. You have to put on a penis. And then you, 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 you engage in an activity where there is no, there's not the same mutual physical Affection. Like, I'm pleasing a person with a device that is not attached to my actual body. And so I'm not even able to experience the same pleasure as you do, right? And so I, I remember I told you that's one of the that's one of the gifts of our marriage is that I'm able to participate in intercourse and be pleased too. Wow. I don't have to put on anything. I can just, I just show up. Wow. Wow. I don't even have nothing to say. <laughs> just press play. <laughs> Moment. The scripture for the wages of sin equal death finally clicked. As much as I thought that I loved him, my eternity wasn't worth that shit. My eternity wasn't worth that hit. Facts. My eternity was only worth having faith in what Christ did alone. Yeah. As my wooden nose of sin grew long because of me lying to myself. Instead of me dying to myself, I was willing to die for myself. There was no blue fairy whispering in my ear. Only the devil and me telling me what I wanted to hear. There was no Geppetto pulling on my strings. I attached myself to the things. Being pulled and manipulated by my flesh and them spiritual beings. The more my wood of sin would grow, I could see it in my face. I can see the wood in my face. I can see him stretched out on the wood in my face being the disgrace for the sin I was committing in his face even though I saw his blood on the wood in my face seeing taking the wrath of the father on the wood in my place I still spat in his face but his grace is sufficient this is the gospel <laughs> which is crazy I ain't even know the bible like that as much as I wished I could be a real boy my name is not Pinocchio I'm just me and he's just me the real G-O-D. to this at this point because you said a whole bunch of stuff prior like you you were very revealing you 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 kind of gave us a ground like a like framework for how you used to be in the lifestyle but like now you've kind of like when it's like a whole gospel presentation which you know is actually saying? really shocking to me watching it what was shocking about it because i was so new to the lord and so i guess i'm like I must have really been reading the Bible. But not only that, the Lord must have been giving me understanding. Because mm. I'm, I'm I'm talking about uh, Eve and, and her motives and how we've inherited that sin and how it's showing up as temptations that we choose to engage with. Like, yeah. it's a lot. Because that, it, for you Which to be 20... it's God's grace. It's God's grace. I'm thinking, because we haven't watched this woman in a long time. I'm thinking about that... Like I'm watching like as a new person, you know what I'm saying? Because that is deep. This the you're 20 years old, and you, you have been saved for how many months? A good six months. Good six months. And so for you to say you were not born that way, you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. When, when Eve, Eve ate, ate that, that fruit, we were, were cursed, cursed to, to do, do anything. anything. We, we were open for murder. murder. We were destined to lose. We were you given, given free will. will. You, you chose, chose to choose. choose. 
You chose to choose to defy God's rules because inside of you, you wanted to be like God and make them. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what was going on? <laughs> Who was deciding? The Holy Spirit was discipling me. Yes. Because I don't even remember my church teaching that. Like, what was I reading? I don't know. It, I think it's a testament. The Lord is I think so it's. High. I think it's just a great testament to know that like, when when God saves saves us and and we don't have like the proper discipleship in place yet, when we don't have the right people pouring into us, like He He Himself, and that's the beautiful thing about the Christian faith is that our God is a relational God. And here's the it's word: it's not a system that He throws into. He He throws us into an immediate relationship. Here's with the word: Jackie's preaching. Mm. I, I didn't know I was a preacher. I, I was barely read. I, I, obviously, I, I I remember not really understanding the Bible like that, but I was I was learning the basics and where I was, how I was, with the tools I had. God was using my giftedness even before I knew my gifts. That's good. Oh my gosh! Because poetry is not a spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. Teaching is a spiritual gift. Yeah. But God was using the means and the art form of poetry to already cultivate the preaching. That's good. <sighs> okay. Mm, mm, mm. I think that's how it lasts. With Dagan. Why do I know about Dagan? She's trying to catch her tears. They're right at the bottom. <laughs> because I put on setting powder. And so <laughs> what we know to do is mess up my setting powder. <laughs> Praise God. Come on. Oh God. Come on, hurry up. Oh, hurry up and catch Lord. it. Oh Lord. That if did. you didn't have makeup on, I would I would tell you to let it let it fall. Oh, but that, that did it. And it's coming off. Okay. Oh God. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. Okay. Yeah. So, why why are you crying? I don't want to talk about why I'm crying. You got to talk about why you're crying because the people see you crying. So, for us to like skim past it, it's kind of like, you know, we're here now. Oh, man. God is good. I I forgot they showed that shot of that that stud who was in the corner Mm -hmm. and she stood up and she was crying. Mm -hmm. I talked to her later. Yeah. She gave her life to the Lord. She gave her life to the Lord at night. And I forgot about that. Yeah. And so, was it that that made you cry? Mm-mm. I, I think it, I, I'm trying to be very uh, objective and not subjective. I, I think just seeing God's kindness in that, like, even how in that place, 
my message hasn't changed. Wow. You know, like how the emphasis, I end with the emphasis being God. Mm-hmm. Not not to leave, not to try to escape hell, not to try to be straight, not to get married, not to have kids, not to have a ministry, not like all of that is cool. But like the emphasis like is the Lord. And yeah. to me, that's just the Holy Spirit. It's mm. not even me. It's like, oh, the Lord really did change me and he's kept me because my message hasn't shifted. Yeah, It's become more clear, more defined. But... And so I'm just over here overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh. You you know, you know, the most beautiful thing I think with it with this poem that I see. Um, one, you were very honest about homosexuality, mm-hmm. about truth, about God's truth. But because you spoke about it in such an experiential type of way, you were able to resonate with this topic in ways that I haven't seen anybody at that time mm-hmm. talk about it. But also, too, I think the beautiful thing about your testimony is that because God brought you out, God also gave you a, a beautiful gift to articulate his gospel. But because you literally came from the lifestyle, you have a heart for the community. Yeah. And so all this truth that you presented in the poem, you know, it was hard. But how, how, how you ended it in hope was so beautiful. Yeah. Speaking directly to the stud, you are beautiful. Yeah. The, the God that God, the, the, the person that God made you to be, beautiful. You cannot be a real boy. You are not Pinocchio, mm. beautiful. Like, and, and so that, that's when she stood up. And that gets when the, she started to be affirmed. And that gets to the heart of the matter is that so many of us, I think, I, I think, Gender norms and all of that is is a thing, right? Like how society constructs these stereotypes of what femininity is, is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn how to like read that through the lens of scripture. How, yep. does, how does God define womanhood? How does God define femininity and all of that? But also there, so, so part of it is I was raised in such a way where I just wasn't the typical feminine woman. Yeah. But... Because of that, there's also this part where you hate yourself. You don't feel mm. like you're woman enough, you're girly enough. And so there's this self-hatred where it's like you don't feel like a woman. And so you're embodying what you what you feel is mm. opposite of woman, right? Wow. So for me to say you are beautiful is to go directly to the heart of what you don't feel like. Yeah. You don't feel beautiful. You don't, like words like pretty. You you don't feel that. Like you for you to feel more comfortable being called handsome than being called beautiful mm. says a lot. And wow. so I I think I think maybe that's what we all need to be reminded of is that people don't do what they do just because they're these wicked, rebellious people. A lot of it is also that people, they feel low and they want love and Mm. they go where the love feels safe. Yeah, and that's not just with people who are same-sex attracted. That's with everybody. You know, (laughs) men sleep with so many other women and become whoremongers, not because they're just merely lustful. Mm -hmm. It's because they want to feel valued and they don't know who they are and they're consistently looking for themselves in the bed sheets of so many women. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Next. So this poem is my proposal poem, to, uh, you know, uh, from ja- to Jackie. This is how I proposed to her. So I'll give you a little context. Um, you know, my first poem that kind of introduced me to the world was actually the night that she did the stub poem, which was years prior from this or whatever. And so, um, you know, like I, I wanted to propose to her on the same stage that I met her at, mm. um, that I saw her at on the same, because this this was a, this was the same event. It yeah. was an annual. It had grown significantly. It had grown significantly. So the my life as a stub poem that Jackie did was done in a warehouse, but because the poems went so viral and people from the world all over the world started to get you know a hold of the poems on YouTube. Now we're in a big old church that seat like thirty five hundred people, and mm-hmm. so the place is sold out. And on the same stage, I was like, you know what? I want to propose to her um, at the same poetry event that we um, that we met. And let me tell you how how crazy the Lord is. And I say that reverent with reverence. Uh, a, I knew Preston was going to propose 
soon because me and him had an event in Trinidad and they gave him $2,000. And I was like, <laughs> he works at Radio Shack. There's no way that he shouldn't <laughs> be a wise steward of these funds and buy a ring. I just knew that that made sense. I did it, And too. so I told my best friend, Dana, I text her. I said, if Preston asks you how I want to be proposed to, tell him I would want to be proposed in a poem at Lyricist Lounge because rhetoric used to be called Lyricist Lounge. And he actually never had a conversation with Dana. No. The Lord laid it on his heart to propose to me in a poem at Rhetoric, which is to say that the Lord saw my request and led him to actually do it. Can I please tell the people real quick how the Lord laid it on my heart? Yes. It was so simple. I'm on my break, in the back, eat some Chinese food. Okay. At Radio Shack. Yes. And... I was thinking about two things. What poem, I'm going to, what poem am I going to do for rhetoric and when I'm going to propose to Jackie? Mm-hmm. Ain't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And it just, the it, Lord was like, Do it, the it literally dropped in my head. Propose to Jackie at rhetoric. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that crazy? That was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. I love that. Yeah. Okay. And so. Oh. Punch me later. I was so nervous. Oh, yeah. You're so skinny. Oh, my gosh. There was April. And it was. I have to tell the people. As soon as he said <laughs> the air was April, I said, oh, he's about to propose. Because he had been working on this poem prior to this <laughs> and had been doing it at like random um, like poetry places in Chicago, but it was never finished. He was like, I'm just writing a poem about our story. So when he started that way, I said, oh my God. But what was crazy is you came in the back in a green room because you didn't perform this night. Right. You came and you prayed for me and you was like, why are you nervous? You've done this event so many times. And I was like, I don't know why I'm nervous. Because I told you- Because you told me you was doing anonymous. I told, yeah, I told you I was going to do the poem anonymous. And so I-, I, I I was like, I know she gonna know something up when I start off with the air was April, which, which is, is a beautiful line. Which is by a the very way. beautiful line, um, by the way, if I can say so myself. No, okay. it was great. <laughs> and so, mind you, when you said the air was April, I immediately looked at your pockets. You, you don't know. This. I was like, I was like, is there a ring in his pocket? It was a lot. It was a while since her warm eyes cuddled my face, like the arms of a lonely lover welcoming her husband back from a cold war. Mm. To say I missed her was an understatement. That spring, the way her teeth ran free from her lips when she laughed, reminded me of the freedom the slaves must felt when Abraham Lincoln declared the Emancipation Proclamation and their souls were finally able to soar with their dreams. We were friends back then, with no worries or expectations between us, just chemistry that we only talked about with our body language. Both poets with tongues so sharp, you would never guess it was made from the same flesh we daily died to. We always had our way with words, but we never took advantage of them. Respected the art form God placed in our hearts as if we could literally feel King David's blood galloping through our veins. I often took advantage of us sporadic Chicago visits though. Besides, it's not every day you can share your life with a female version of yourself. I miss those mornings when we arose from our slumber, drained from the previous nights when we talked the moon to sleep and the stars grew tired of our company. How we manhandled our moments together and how our dominant personalities coexisted well like two humble kings at a feast, respect being the cornerstone of the relationship. This was us in retrospect. This was us before our true feelings shot from our hearts, flew out of our mouths and landed in each other's lives like two beautifully made missiles we didn't quite know what to do with. Admiring the way they were well constructed but fearing that they might explode at any time to blow off the limbs of our emotions and I knew this. I knew this because our relationship brought out the war in her. Hmm. Her heart became a battlefield. Her tongue turned into a shield and her eyes were like two swords that cut deep with every stare. And her warrior-like behavior shook the marrow out of my bones, confused about how I became the enemy in the matter of months, started to question her love for me. And then one day the Lord spoke and said, Preston, if you have been hurt and battled too many times to count, you will adopt some guerrilla war type tactics too. I'm calling you to love her, not like you, but like me. Aww. So that was actually a very real, real line because, like I said, 
this was the 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 new lines that I wrote after I started the poem, and you haven't heard this part. Mm-hmm. And and so I wanted to I wanted to kind of like build a foundation, you know, of our friendship, which is the reason why I said, you know. Um, I often took advantage of our sporadic Chicago visits. It's not every day you can share your life with a female version of yourself. I miss those mornings when we were on, when we rose from my slumber, drained from the previous nights when we talked the moon to sleep. And so, like, I'm building like a story about like our friendship. But when we became romantic, or you know, started dating, dating, we weren't not like, romantic, but yeah. like when we started dating, you just became a different person. And so, like, I was like. I, I I also had brothers in mind, you know, who are pursuing young young women who who maybe have trauma mm-hmm. or um, daddy hurt or mm-hmm. whatever. When 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 love and and romance gets too vulnerable 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 for them mm-hmm. to like to be encouraged to still pursue a woman. Mm-hmm. Even when it gets hard, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times, and I say this all the time, like, you know, God had to really check me because I was so used to you being my friend. And then when we became, we started dating and you became real guarded and started protecting yourself. I was offended originally mm-hmm. and I wanted to back away mm-hmm. and I really had to be checked by the Lord. And the Lord was like, I didn't back away from you when it got hard. You know, I didn't back away from you when when you rejected me. Um, and so I had young men in mind when I wrote that line. And just so just talking about like your 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 rejection of me and how it hurt me, um, but how the I feel like the Lord was still saying, I still called you to to this woman. You you out here being led. No, you out here being led by the Holy Spirit. You really walk with the Lord. You got the arrow. The type of love that would never leave. Even when her sharp rejection cuts the skin of your pride and the fear of being vulnerable starts to shiver your soul. I really like your cheekbones. How you first rejected my love too, but I still pursued you with ocean-like passion. And And then I wooed you you like a hopeful romantic. And even when your sins felt like the nails that drove their rusty bodies into my divine hands to pin me to a cross that I built, I still chose to love you. Mm -hmm. So I prayed. I ask God to forgive me for not loving selflessly like him and in my imperfections to teach me how to love a flawed woman the way he loves his flawed church. And I kid you not, it felt like God cracked open my sternum, planted 1 Corinthians 13 in the soil of my heart and watered that spirit-led scripture every time I was in his presence. My love grew for her. Mm. I'm intrigued by how you began nervous, right? But like, did you did you feel like the Lord was with you? Yeah, I did. Because I, I got Because so, you shift into this kind of confidence. Yeah. Because, you know, you're always nervous. One, I'm nervous because I'm like, I got a very honest girlfriend at the time. And it's 3,500 people here. Right. It's so many things popping in my head. Is she going to say no? Um, but then when I started to just meditate on the words that I was saying and remembering like what God brought me through in our courtship and and like I I tell young men all the time I I got to know the Lord more intimately courting you mm. mm-hmm. because I had to depend on him in a way that I I you know that I you know cuz it was cuz it's not even that you were super difficult that's not even the reason why right it was it was because i felt so called to you but i felt so ignorant and mm. knowing how to love you and court you. And right. so I had to depend on the Lord yeah. to do so. Yeah. You know, um, our stories were so unique mm-hmm. and so like complicated mm-hmm. and like my background and your background, like logically we shouldn't fit. Right. And so I had to lean on the Lord. And so like, it was, it was, it was me thinking about how much I love you, me thinking about like how much God has brought me from uh, and just all the things and so mm. I, I I begin to think about the words and you know so I, like became, I think now you see passion yeah it became like freedom it, it, it became like this uh diversity of expression because what I hear you saying is there's a, a matter of a, a measure of meditation so therefore worship yes yeah. uh, but also a measure of like security because it's like oh if he I'm 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 good because he's with me. Absolutely. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Right. So today I stand, 
a fully bloomed garden of a man. Yeah. Ready to love like Adam the first time he saw Eve in Eden. Eden. And I bet you was reminiscent of the first time I laid eyes on you. Three years ago, you stood on this stage and declared how the Lord broke the shackles of homosexuality off of your predestined life with boldness roaring out of your mouth as if a lion lived in your throat. And I saw the truth that day. You started writing right here. Mm -hmm. I saw a young woman longing for righteousness like lungs long for air. And I guess that explains why it was so hard for me to breathe when you spit your testimony, held the crowd together like the sea holds the sunrise. And at the end of your poem, when you told every woman in the room that they were beautiful, I believed you because in sincerity soaring from your chest, sounding like the cry of a Cage bird longing for sky. Right. You spoke like a gentle storm. You wait, was wait. writing. Wait. You I... were writing, sir. You spoke like a gentle storm. Wait, wait. Like lungs long for air. <laughs> and when you spoke, it's just. Wait, wait. The next line. Hold on, hold on. I'm enough. Calm enough to ease our anxious souls, but violent enough to lift us off of our feet when you finished. And, and when, when you, you finished, finished <laughs> I said to myself, Yo, who is this girl? Wait, so I don't even get nah, you, you was going on. I don't want to even give props to me, right? Because what, I, what I'm explaining is, I'm literally explaining the first night I met you, which was the poem that, we, that, 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 we, that I just saw. But the reason you, you're going off... I wrote that way because you amazed me. But like, I'm saying, literally. stylistically, you don't even write that way. Stylistically, you are a you are a busy writer. Mm -hmm. So you you will you will have seventeen thousand metaphors in one <laughs> sentence, right? So for you to have these kind of quippy lines, like you spoke yeah. like a gentle storm, and when you spit, da da da, da like it was such quick yeah. but sharp stuff. That's what makes it. It, it gave a it gave a a preaching cadence to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. that I and like because I, I think I think when you write about something that you're super super passionate about you automatically fall into just being more clear and concise. Because, mm. you, 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 like, I didn't have to... This poem came from such a real place. I didn't have to overdo it. Because, mm -hmm. like, even the way I described you, because when I said you spoke like a gentle storm, calm enough to ease our anxious souls, but violent enough to lift, us off, to lift us off of our feet when you finished. And when you finished, I said to myself, who is this girl? Mm -hmm. What I'm simply explaining is, it's like, man, when I saw you that night when you did My Life as a Stud, like... You 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 were calm, but you were strong at the mm. same time, mm -hmm. like a gentle storm, mm. you know. And so, like, and this is the reason why we all gave you a standing ovation because God used you so mightily that, that day. And uh, yeah, I was just like, okay, I, I was thinking about that day. Yeah, it's the baby locks for me. It's the baby locks with the little blonde in the front. I miss that length. I don't. I like your long hair. It was very cute. Oh, look at you crying. Just melt my face off. Oh, such a crier. Sometimes. I never told you. But you are the virtue my eyes have unknowingly been longing to gaze upon. Mm. A real life Proverbs 31 woman in the flesh. Mm. I was so irritated. <laughs> uh, why were you irritated? Why are you doing this? Who soon will become my homie. And then my best friend. And later on, my boot thing. The goofy smile. And I want you to know that through the years, you have inspired me to be a better man. You have challenged me to love like fragile hearts can't break, no matter how hard we try. Just like our father, who doesn't love us according to our yesterdays, but every day chooses to humble himself to love a creation despite their unworthiness. So all this to say... I desire to love you this way. I'm coming down there. I believe that there's a beautiful covenant waiting for us on the other side of this relationship. This is when the crowd went crazy. I, I wasn't expecting this. The whole crowd stood up. <laughs> and they put you on the screen. Yeah. With a mic in my face. It's I believe, I believe that there's a beautiful covenant waiting for us on the other side of this relationship. A new covenant filled with love, pain, and joy, 
and sacrifice that all brings glory to the king who rose us from the dead. So with that said, I'm coming down there. That's <laughs> so cute. Man, memories, man. 2013 memories. So I told Morgan to sit next to you mm-hmm. in case she tried to run. I was like, don't let her run. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Much. Oh my God! Will you do me the honor of marrying me? <laughs> I know this is gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She said yes. I just love my hair. I really do. Oh that man, that was, that was memories. I was telling somebody the other day that you lost and I lost a lot of my Chicago accent and you lost a lot of your St. Louis accent. Oh, you finna, you trying, yes, you finna try yes, to be funny. Yes, yes, Because when I said, will you marry me? She said, yes, come her. <laughs> yes, come her. <laughs> you literally make me sound delayed. <laughs> I don't like it. That's, that's how y'all talk. Okay, Kai. You want to get in the car? And, and I said, and I said, I'm coming down to. Yeah, you think that sounds great? <laughs> that you deleted ours out of like where it belongs. We delete, we delete ours in Chicago. Y'all add listen, four in, uh, to every word. Listen, come here. Listen, I've I've <laughs> the ethnic uh, parts of my accent have had to go because I just people don't understand us. If if I talk like St. Louis people, y'all don't understand me. Yeah, man, that was good times though. So we'll end with uh, one of our last, this is probably the last poem I've written. Um, This is our one flesh poem that we came together to do for Poets in Autumn in 2019. Um, And we wanted to write a piece that kind of, it was us telling each other's story. Yeah. Um, You know, because it, it kind of feels conclusive in the sense of, you know, I started with my life as a stud doing poetry. Uh, he he started doing poetry where I, when I met him, then he proposed to me in a poem, and this kind of felt like our like, I guess last hurrah as far as poetry is concerned. Together, yeah. the difficulty in writing this poem though is by this time I had moved on to writing books and teaching, um, and so it was actually hard for me to get myself back in the rhythm of poetry again. Yeah, and even the process because our, our most popular poem together was a poem called "The Fall," where we reenacted Adam and Eve, but like that process was so much easier because we were writing poems so much back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were young, married or whatever. This was like, man, us trying to write a poem for a tour that we were on. And, um, but God, God hand was on it. Yeah. So. I don't even remember nothing about this poem. So these are going to be very fresh reviews or yeah, commentary. Me neither. <laughs> Good idea to have our our old pictures. Who did that? Uh, hop. I'm saying whose idea was it? Um, I don't know. I think it was your Probably idea. Mine. Yeah. You did this? Oh, oh. You, Kim did it. Shout out to you. <laughs> she said. <laughs> there was a boy, halfway grown, skin all the brown his ancestors once carried. If you knew him, you love him quick. Call him little bro. Rest your arm on his shoulder and let your Saturdays become his new home. Great line. His voice wasn't heavy yet. It was still a swing on the playground, a game of horse, a do you like me, say yes kind of noise. There was a girl, her skin a beautiful coffee stain, eyes deep enough to swim in but never drown. More inquisitive than most her age, she was always a question staring at the world for answers. She made most grown-ups prophetic. They would all say, this little girl going to be a teacher. Amazed at how her early mind worked. There he was, breathless from playing house in the bottom of grandma's home, the basement, a hiding place for his cousins to run and wrestle and be all that puberty demanded, playing with a girl he knew. They went from basement to bathroom. He went from virgin to an open door, swinging with the sound of lust and lions readying themselves to devour every bit of identity he was never given. Mm. He sat 
eyes wide and insecure, exchanging his body for hers there. Sex and syringe were made into metaphor. Her and every other body like it made into drug there. He thought he learned something new about himself. He thought her body gave him his first name. He mm. thought her thighs could tell him who he was. He thought lust and love had the same hands. There she was. Can you pause? Barely five. Can we not acknowledge what happened? He yeah. thought sex and syringe was a metaphor? Yeah. He, he thought her thighs. There, 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 there. He was. He he became version to an open door. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. So I mean, my testimony is, um, my I, I lost my virginity to one of my grandmother's foster foster kids. Um, she had already had an abortion by the time I was a virgin, and um, she woke me up, you know, by giving me. I don't want to dishonor you know, oral sex, and so I don't even want to dishonor your explanation of the event. But I do, I do think that that was sexual abuse. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if you remember my old um, poem, Necrophiliac. Yeah. Um, and and that poem, I said, just because I enjoyed my first time doesn't mean I wasn't molested. Yeah. Because that, I think to say even you lost your virginity, she took it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so I, I I think I think that's helpful because I the the longer I've just listened to the stories of men, that's such a common story that some older woman or some older man basically like took their their consent from them when it came mm -hmm. to their exploration of their sexuality. And it's like, I think the world and society and culture will say, oh, because you enjoyed it, it was like you actually just being a boy or you being a man. Right. When it's like, no, that was satanic. Yeah. What they did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Thought her thighs could tell him who he was. He thought lust and love had the same hands. There she was, barely five, a tiny giggle on the playground, carefree and You're anxious for nothing except for more time and recess to make as much friends as she could. It was there when she first felt the urge to call another girl her own, where in her mind she replaced princes in Disney movies for princesses, and it felt right. It felt good and natural, like the breeze making her skin hush on a warm summer night. And then she was six, still a small field of innocence, wide-eyed and growing into herself. On the lower level of a family friend's home is where her life began to bloom tragic. The room was dim, darkness tucked between each corner in the basement is where he named her his victim. Daddy gone, living somewhere coward safe, couldn't hear her heart trying to claw through her chest. So some teenage boy, his hands much bigger than hers, made her feel safe. And then confused, and then scared in a matter of minutes. That day, molestation made a mockery of her small body. That boy became an almost man, addicted to the sound of his name in a woman's mouth. Mm. If you asked him if he knew their names, he'd describe their bodies. Mm. He'd tell his friends how he got her to get underneath him without God's well done and hear them open their mouths with praise. they pat him on his back and stretch their smiles at how he got so good at conquering pieces of land and planting his flag on foreign soil. That brown boy colonized bodies like it was his right to live in someone else's country. But he didn't know where else to call home. <laughs> Every woman was a house and a hug and a I see you, you refugee of a boy. That little girl grew up only making women her safe house. Mm. She would dine between their breasts while telling them all of her fears and afterwards she would make a bed out of their torsos. She was now in a colorful world she can call her own. Rainbow. But rainbows were no longer a promise but freedom from dark closets where she hid from the burning stare of church folk. Woo. Far from that dark basement and where she played out all she Pause. knew she was at recess. People, people, we are writing. People, uh, people didn't even get that line when I had wrote it. <laughs> people didn't even get that line when I read wrote it. No, we're writing. She, oh was now, she was now in a colorful world she can call her own. Well, rainbows were no longer a promise, but freedom was she here from the burning stare of church folk? No, we're writing. I got to say it. Come on now. Can we Come toot on. our own horns for a minute? <laughs> because to me, one, one, it shows progression. Yes. Right? So we began with the poem, My Life is a Stud. That was my third poem ever written. Uh, Covenant, you was already writing real good with Covenant. So that, I was, that, that's when I started to write better. Yeah, we didn't even really show your like, I didn't show the early, your beginner early. amateur poem. <laughs> Jesus is God, and I tell you, tell me otherwise. <laughs> so now you come, we're coming together where it's like, no, we, we've grown up. Yeah. We've grown up artistically. We've grown up as people. This is 20... 19. So this yeah. is uh, after autumn. Yeah. So yeah, we've been married a few years. We have two kids at this point. Like it's a lot has happened. Yeah. Yeah. She was now gay. But the absence of true happy, only someone sovereign can bring her often left her joyless. After Jesus, 
I met him, a boy, Chicago-born, built oh, like boss, a city boss, of boss, 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 boss. I'm a, I'm a, So I don't know if people realize. So I start by telling your story. Yes. You start by telling my story. Then we switch. Where now I'm telling the story of okay. meeting you. Yeah, and then and, I, and then I tell the story of meeting you. Yeah. And turn it up a little bit. I met him, a boy, Chicago-born, built like a city of Winded Kings. Hmm. Before him, the only people I'd ever loved were called woman. Women were to me a cathedral, beautiful and religious even. Their ability to make worshippers out of a secular-born body was worth writing a poem for. Oof. While with them. I became unlike them, sagged my pants, flattened my chest, sat down, legs wide, as if I had something between them to protect my voice. Already a cello played with one hand, made women obedient. They treated me like the man they wished men could be, but as much as I tried, I couldn't be what they were created for. Oh, that was my favorite line. Meeting the man God made to be mine was scary. To see him was to see the man named Daddy that came and left like he couldn't stand to see his face on somebody he didn't love. To see him was to remember all the men before him that taught me that trust ain't safe with nobody but God. But what happens when God is telling you to give your trust to somebody that ain't him? When I met her, she was now a saint, and I had met God too. Our hearts knew as the wet earth when God first whispered the world into existence. Because of grace, I was now learning to see women as women and not bodies to lay my insecure. Most midnights, I fall to enter into God's presence instead of entering into a woman to feel whole. Hard when your skin worshipped a woman's touch for so long. Hard when for so long created beings with soft hands held my broken instead of the God who made their hands. Silly how I often doubted if his touch can make me feel new as theirs did. Mm. But she intrigued me. I heard her voice before I saw her hips. Her honest tongue and mouth ready with truth grabbed my heart and wouldn't let it go. God knew I needed a woman that I'll give my respect without her asking for it. Three years of friendship was enough. I was ready for her to wear my last name. Then, then we became one. When, when I, I said I do, I didn't know one flesh was literal as much as I wanted to hide my, my shame and fears and failures. I had too many skeletons in my closet to act like I wasn't dead before. before. Sex made me feel alive, but now my flesh had to die for another. No, no one told me my wedding was also a funeral. My hands a casket for the... Stop right there. One, this must have been one of the early shows because we're rushing through this poem. It is. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going really fast, which tells me we didn't know it yet. Yeah, but I love that line because it's really simple. And I, oh, I, no one told me my wedding would also be a funeral. No one told me my wedding was also a funeral. Preach that real, real quick. Because I, I don't know who came up with that line. Uh, yeah, but like, oh, oh, that's what a wedding is. Mm. It is. It is also a celebration of two lives coming together to die. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Not is, and then, so it's just a real creative way to say, "Oh, we're we're these two lives are coming together, yeah. to die." Yeah, when you That's, walk down the aisle and you make this covenant and you say, "I do," it's me committing to die to myself to honor you. Yes, if we could just remember that one thing. Yeah. Flowers to lay, my dress a white lie. Couldn't the guests see all the dust I'd come from, all the dust I was going to? Couldn't, Couldn't they see, see the, the girls and the porn and the, and the girls and the lust and all the things God set me free from? Set us free from the pride and the fear and all the things God put us together to make each other free from. Is it a mystery how God's sovereignty magic tricked us from two sexually broken people and made us one flesh whole in matrimony and made us holy? Identities now up to God to give, for God to define, for Jesus to see and tell us who we are. We are His. And each other's. And ain't that a miracle? Hmm. The process of turning two into one, unclean into forgiven, the visibility of God's voice when we became the Lazarus to whom he spoke. Mm. This boy, a man now, a husband, mine, he has been to me a mercy every new morning. I don't think of all the women she has known when we wake. I remember them as God does. Therefore, I forget them as God does. Wait. When they come mm. to hunt us both. Wait. Rewind it and play it again. Listen. Rewind it and play it again. And tell us who we are. We are his and each other's. And ain't that a miracle? The process of turning two into one, unclean into forgiven, the visibility of God's voice when we became the Lazarus to whom he spoke. This boy, a man now, a husband, mine, he has been to me a mercy every new morning. I don't think of all the women she has known when we wake. I remember them as God does. Therefore, I forget them as God does. When they come to hunt us... You want to break it down? Every new morning, something, I, I don't think of all the women I say he, you say she lay with when I wake. I, I remember, remember them, them as, as God, God does. does. Therefore, Therefore, I forget, I forget them, them as God does. 
Break it down. I don't even know. <laughs> I think there's this sense in which we are communicating that one, every time you wake up, there's new mercies. So mm-hmm. I think we're playing on that scripture. But also like how God says, like, I've put your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And so it's not necessarily dishonoring your past or your history. It's saying that I don't treat you according to what you've done. Mm. You know, if if God has put your sins into the sea of forgetfulness, then I will too. Yeah. Right. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to move with you as if like your past or your history defines who you are with me. What's well, crazy. And, and, and this this is what I often say when people ask me, how is it how is it being to being married to a woman that used to be gay and it's like ultimately my my hope is not in you my hope is in the God who keeps you mm-hmm. and so you know and vice versa and vice versa because people will often ask you you know how it is to be married to me but they never ask me how it is to be married to you yeah it's, it's like a man who had all these relationships and sexual past it's relationships all the skeletons in his closet right they still be texting you well they don't text you nah. they don't text you they but they try to yeah, yeah, yeah. Show their face. And so, yeah, and I, I feel like the, the next line that I said kind of re- explains. I, don't I, don't explains. I think I said. I feel like I'm watching this for the first time. Reminding us of what God buried, both his struggle and mine. We died together as promised. I live for all the ways he says I love you without words. When he holds my heart with both hands, I say his name under my breath. You'd have to be him to know what it sounds like out loud. I promise God I would. People because didn't people didn't understand that line. People didn't get, but that was the it most. It was actually very sensual. That was the most freakiest line you ever wrote. <laughs> Listen, that was the most freakiest line Jackie ever wrote in poetry history. <laughs> Can you explain that line? Come on. I don't remember it. You said. <laughs> No, it was, it was very low-key central. I remember them as God does. Therefore, I forget them as God does. When they come to hunt us both, reminding us of what God buried, both his struggle and mine. We die together as promised. I live for all the ways he says I love you without words. When he holds my heart with both hands, I say his name under my breath. You'd have to be him to know what it sounds like out loud. I promise God I would love <laughs> If you don't... It's kind of self-explanatory. It's not a self-explanatory for people who don't write poetry. I live for all the ways... He says I love you. He says I love no, you. No, he, I live for all the ways he holds my heart with both hands. He holds my heart with both hands and I say your name under my breath. You would have to be him to know what it sounds like out loud. I'm basically expressing Song of Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love her like fragile hearts can't break. He threw our past into a sea deep as mercy. How dare I dwell on the women she cradled before me when God gave us a right now love. Our marriage is not void of struggle, but when I see her, I don't see her sin. I see a song God is still writing. Mm-hmm. Every dawn she is cloaked in God's newness. She is a fresh scent on my tongue, a sweet residue left on my lips. When she leaves, I smuggle the memory of her beneath my breath. And when she returns, I kiss her soft. And all of nature begins to sing of God's goodness and how he made our love abstract art. I vowed to do this. I took this woman, man, to be mine, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for sexually broken or whole, and in perfection and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us. Our pace was really off. Yeah, our pace was off, but that was good. It was good, man. All right. I miss writing poems with you. I don't miss writing poems. I, I miss writing poems with you, like just spending the time us writing, but I don't miss writing poems. I don't I don't miss You don't miss that either? No. Okay. All right. Bye y'all. Peace. With the Perrys is produced by the Perrys with support from Amanda Reed and Channing B. McBride. Editing by Xavier Fairley. Video recording and audio production by Kim Powell. Artwork by Hop and music by Swoop. If you'd like to support the Perrys, you can visit the link in the show notes. This is With the Perrys. Thank you for listening. Now go with God 